all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. But there's no good way of testing uh, through stool samples and those ways because, you know, you're not pulling liver flukes uh, out in your stool sample or lung flukes or pancreatic flukes or other systemic uh, or microscopic parasites. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday and sometimes Fridays. Yes, we're late this week. Sorry, everybody. For the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your Lime Journey Guide, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 231 with chiropractor Todd Watts. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn three main things. How parasites might be stalling your Lyme recovery, why a sudden onset of allergies could be a sign of parasites, and how going through cycles of Lyme symptoms could be a sign of parasites as well. Have you guessed the theme today? Parasites, parasites, parasites. Thanks, Aurora, and a big shout out to all you longtime Lime Ninjas. You are the reasons we have half a million downloads. Aurora and I really, really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. You are now officially a Lime Ninja. As you know, Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week, we've had listeners tune in from Colombia to the Czech Republic and from Australia to Italy. Okay, Aurora, thanks for that. Tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Dr. Todd Watts. Dr. Todd Watts is a national board certified chiropractic physician in Idaho and a functional wellness practitioner and is licensed with the Pastoral Medical Association. At 28, he was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, and following a series of catastrophic stresses in his 40s, he struggled with chronic headaches, chronic fatigue, allergies, Lyme, and Babesia. In working to cure himself, he discovered that the major roadblock to his healing was unaddressed parasitic infections. He now helps others discover the roadblock that prevents them from fully recovering. Thanks, Aurora. Now, the reason why this is critical, kind of two steps on your Lyme journey, particularly for people who are stuck. I mean, many people, their Lyme journey, well, let's say some people, they get diagnosed initially or finally, they start the antibiotics, they start feeling better. And for the most part, things resolve with some minor influences here or there, right? So we're not talking about those people. We're talking about people who get diagnosed finally or think they have Lyme disease, do some treatment, maybe standard antibiotic treatment, and then don't feel better or feel better for a short time and continually relapse. So we need to find out what else is going on there. So this in your Lyme journey is part of kind of the first phase where you're doing a full diagnostic, the 360-degree diagnostic, finding out what else it could be or you're kind of at the end of your antibiotic treatments or other herbal protocols, and you're still not feeling quite right, but you haven't done a parasitic type of cleaning, cleanse, removal, yeah, dredging, yeah. whatever it is you do to get rid of them. Yeah. And so you can either 
view it as continuing on on the final stage of your journey, depending on how things resolve after that, or really kind of going back to that uh, diagnostic phase and treating on a different level. The thing you need to know, need to know, need to know, need to know, is I've been researching this deeply. Your immune system responds differently to parasites and intracellular, so infections, infections that are inside the cells. So that's a different type of parasitic infection. Babesia is intracellular. And Lyme might be also. Lyme might go into its round body form inside macrophages. They're polar opposite responses by the body. So if your body's concentrating on removing worms and big parasites like that, flukes, it's going to be open to letting in things like Babesia, maybe Lyme. On the other hand, if the body's focused on treating Lyme, removing Lyme with M1 phage macrophages and Th1 response, you can dig into that if you want to, but essentially this inflammatory state, this killer state to remove these intracellular parasites, then it's going to leave the back door open for larger fluke worm type parasites. So basically, this is why it can be so complicated. So your body goes after one of these infections, leaves the back door open for the other one. So the question is, how can you do both at the same time? And I think your body needs help. And this interview is going to go a long, long way to getting you the help that you need to do this. All right, that's a very long explanation, but it's not an either-or situation we're dealing with. It's a both-and, and I think that's so very important. All right, here is our interview with Dr. Todd Watts. Hello, Dr. Watts. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Welcome. Thank you for having me here. I am... Always excited to speak with practitioners who've kind of been through the gauntlet themselves, the health gauntlet, and come out the other end because it gives, I'm going to say us because I've done similar things, uh, a, a, a unique perspective, a more sympathetic perspective to what our patients are going through. And you've had a handful of health challenges, including Lyme disease. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So my journey began when I was 28. And at that time, I had gotten really sick. And my dad said, hey, I think you have, go get tested. It was probably mono because my spleen was really hurting. And I went and got tested and it was negative. So they wanted to give me antibiotics, Zintramax. And after a couple of days, my dad's like, look, you got Epstein-Barr. If you don't test for mono, you have Epstein-Barr. So I went back in, got tested for Epstein-Barr. Sure enough, that's what it was positive for. And so, as you know, there's no treatment for it. And that's where I was already in the more natural route the way I was raised. So I went to the local health food store and got stuff to boost my immune system to, to deal with this issue. So, so was, excuse me, was your dad a doctor? How come he says, oh, you've got to have a virus? Because when he was in the Navy, he, uh, had, he had it. He okay. Had it. So his spleen really hurt because where I was explaining to him where I had a lot of pain and then my throat was swollen and. It's just all the other symptoms. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I'd get out, take a shower, and I had to go back to sleep. Yeah. Taking a shower just took it all out of me. And so this is how I was for 30 days. And, um, and it took me probably another 60 days to recover uh, from, from this process. And I just pounded stuff. I mean, I was drinking royal jelly. Uh, <laughs> and I, mean, I was doing everything. There, you know, a handful of stuff from the local health food store. And so that began my journey. But after about a year and a half from that standpoint, man, I was getting, I started having seasonal allergies that I'd never had in my whole life. And then and I, I started having uh, issues with getting injured uh, in sports because I was very active uh, and uh, playing ultimate Frisbee, working out, basketball, volleyball. And by my late 30s, uh, I went through uh, 39, 40 years old, the market crashed in 2008. And I went through a lot of stress. I lost everything. Literally, I lost three houses, my cars. Uh, I, I, I lost everything with that. I had my family, which was two girls, two little girls, two and one, and my wife. And I went back to school to get my doctorate because I couldn't get a job because there was nothing available. Uh, being in the area that I was in in Boise got really hit hard in that market. And so I lost my businesses. So I didn't have any idea what to do. So then I looked at going back to school to get my doctorate. 
Well, by then I had a lot of joint pain. Um, I had brain fog. Um, that stress just really kicked off and triggered a lot of headaches, uh, fatigue, uh, just a whole wide array uh, of issues. And so when I was going to school to get my doctorate, while I was in there, I was at a conference and this gentleman was discussing Lyme disease and co-infections. And when he's up there discussing these things, that's the first time I'm like, wow, I have all, I have the majority of those symptoms. That's what's going on. And especially identified with a lot of the Babesia symptoms. And, and so I, afterwards, I went up to him and talked to him about it. And he did his muscle testing and tested positive for those. Like, yeah, you're just loaded. So then I did an eye spot Lyme test, a blood test later on showing I had chronic Lyme disease that was positive for that. And uh, and then I just did my journey of going through and, and clearing out Lyme and Babesia. But I got rid of like my arthritis symptoms. I got rid of a lot of the Lyme stuff, some of the Babesia stuff, but I still had problems. I had severe fatigue and uh, and headaches still and just muscle tension and tightness and uh, seasonal allergies. And and uh, I reacted, I figured out I reacted heavily to dairy, which was causing my headaches. And that's where a doctor told me, hey, you have parasites probably is what's going on. And that's when my route going down parasite realm figured out the correlation of how parasites affected my cycling. Because I used to cycle with Lyme and Babesia constantly. Like I, I get on stuff, I do well for a while, then I crash. And get on stuff for a while and do well and then crash. And then once I cleared parasites, my cycling completely stopped. Okay. My immune system balanced, balanced out. Can, can we pause there? Because there's so much that I have to ask you about there. So first of all, what's, yes. what's the connection between dairy sensitivity and parasites? So I could have a, my knees go, I mean, a chocolate chip that I, I mean, I looked to make sure dairy wasn't in anything. <laughs> Any exposure was horrible, horrible headache for me. And so there's some parasites. One specifically is called strongyloides. And strongyloides is a threadworm, small intestinal parasite, uh, stomach, and it creates a lot of the um, allergies to these proteins. And casein happens to be, I think, one of those main ones that it's reactive with. And also, it, it, there's a whole life cycle. It's very hard to eradicate because the life cycle goes in the lungs, the larvae, and then it just, it just it can go on going for many, many, many years yeah. in, humans, in humans. So in Dr. Holda Clark's work back in the 70s and 80s, she talked about that. And I learned this later after I had figured it out. But the number one cause of headaches and migraines are strongyloides. So once I cleared the parasite, I no longer reacted to the dairy. I know there's right now there are thousands of people <laughs> who are going to write this down and say, okay, I want to get my ice cream back. <laughs> yes. And I can tell you about four years ago, I went out, I, I didn't have ice cream, but I went and had yogurt. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, hey, I didn't react to this. Amazing. Yeah. So then I remember with my kids, specifically remember the day we went to a smash burger. Okay, and they use <laughs> they use Hagen Dazs ice cream. Okay, Hagen Dazs, which is a high quality ice yep. cream, it's really good. And I had my first shake that I had had in five years. I had been dairy free for five years because of how it rocked my world. I mean, I didn't function. I had to go lay down and just sleep it off because it was such a bad headache I would get, and I did not react to it. Like, wow, this whole parasite thing is working. <laughs> yeah. And then my, my food allergies, like my sensitivities with uh, seasonal allergies completely went away. Um, I, I just had so many things. My chronic wrist pain went away. All my hypertonicity and tension in my neck and shoulders went away. Um, I just had a lot of symptoms resolved when I cleared out strongyloides and tapeworm and some other parasites out of my system that I addressed for over a year. Um, but initially, I hit hard for 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 a full year in dealing with that, and then I progressed further in regards to okay, hey, I, I did this as a great, but I, I still couldn't work out. I, I, my my muscles would fatigue too quickly, so it got over general fatigue. My mental fatigue was much better, but still had a little bit of mental stuff there. But my muscle fatigue was still really bad, and that's where I think I got into clearing out heavy metals and toxins and radiation and stuff that boom i've been now a year and a half i've been able to work out at the gym i work out five days a week i have i've put on 30 pounds since that point in time that i got off dairy and gluten i dropped down to 150 i'm six foot one wow really skinny that's and that that happens to a lot of us though in chronic illness yep now i'm 
180, 185, which is the heaviest I've ever been. But also I've gotten muscle put on me. I'm healthy. I feel good. I have energy. I can work out. And it's just a blessing that I feel at 50, going to be 51 here in six months, that I feel this good. And um, I'm so grateful to have my life back. I really am. That's an amazing story. Um, did you, you were talking about the cycling with the Lyme and Babesia and the parasites as part of that. I've talked to some people who swear that the parasites, their, their cycles uh, line up with the moon phases. So they'll feel worse at a full moon. Did you find that happening? At the time, I didn't really pay attention, right? Because I didn't know that parasites were a big issue for me. And once I started hitting them, I, I mean, I went out full hard with it um, and I was learning. I mean, I, I read, I was watching videos all the time. I, I, I just for a year went crazy on learning everything I could about parasites to the point where my kids that I have four kids now. So now they're 12, 10, 8 and 4. And they uh, there's a song that was really popular back in the they called Paradise by Coldplay. <laughs> okay. And uh, you remember that? Do you I remember do. that song? So yeah. they would walk around the house singing Parasites. Para, parasites <laughs> instead of Parasites. They ruined the song for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's, they, that's uh, I mean, I had to because really it came down to a mindset. And you know this probably pretty well. But there's an emotional warrior that has to come out within you. And that happened to me one day when I came home from work because the grind, it was a grind. I would come home, crash for a few hours, get up, eat dinner, put the kids to bed, crash again. That was my life for a long time. I was surviving, not thriving. Yeah. You know, I, I did I wasn't able to engage with my children the way I wanted to be this awesome father that I always dreamed of. I'm an active dad, doing sports, coaching stuff, just being involved in their lives. And I just didn't have the energy to do it. So one day I came home from work. I pulled up to the driveway and I saw my five-year-old son at the time, he's eight now, and my daughter, who was nine, and they were playing baseball with my next-door neighbor. See, you got to understand, baseball was my life growing up in the 60s and 70s, right? I used to go to the Padre games in San Diego with my dad and my twin. I mean, I played eight years of baseball. I lived and breathed baseball. And so when I was the father that wanted to be that kind of dad, like my dad was, and I came home and I, I saw my son playing ball and my daughter, and I wasn't the first one to ever pitch to them that I had somebody else did that. That was a punch in the chest, man. It's like, wow, that should have been me. How could I give up that experience and that and that thing for me? And that's when I really decided to, I just started like listening to motivational things, doing everything and anything I could to learn about how to get better and overcome stuff. And that's what really put me on this pathway of overcoming this fatigue that was just so devastating to me. You know, you bring up such a beautiful point. We've been doing this podcast, my daughter and I now, for just about five years, and we're over 200 episodes. And finally, it kind of dawned on us, because I, I got into this almost same way you got into parasites. It's like, okay, I know I've had Lyme, and I know Lyme is coming around in my community. I better get up to speed. And I was thinking, what's a great way to interview all the experts like you? And it's have a podcast. So it's like, awesome. You know, I'll learn, and I'll share my learning with everybody else. But what we found over the years is that there is a path for healing. And the number one step is exactly what you describe. You got to, and people talk about it in different ways, uh, you know, divine inspiration or hitting bottom, or like you said, finding this warrior mindset. Something happens and people take full responsibility for their health and really get serious about turning things around. And it, it can be anything, like you said, watching your kids play baseball. It has to be something personal. But that's the first step to healing these impossible, in quotations here, impossible health conditions. Because it was impossible at that point. And then you got deep into it and found, oh, you know, the real sticky point here, even in my Lyme disease, it wasn't Lyme itself per se, or Babesia, it was the parasites that was keeping these two in play. Is that correct? That's correct. And there's the immune system function, right, with even viruses. So the, the immune system, the TH1 pathway, which uh, which really suppresses viruses and some of these chronic illnesses, it's, it's what helps keep it in check. It gets to where it's suppressed because of the TH2 
immune system pathway, which parasites upregulate TH2, which secrete interleukin-4 and interleukin-13, which is a cytokine. That comes over, it's, it binds on to these, interleukin-4 binds onto these macrophages that hold our viruses at bay, you know, sleeping. And, and it changes the genetic shift to where it starts viral replication and it suppresses the immune system. So now you get viral replication and you get suppression of TH1 allow these other infections to come up and have a heyday. And so introducing a lot of stress upregulates a lot of issues with parasites, which then suppresses the TH1 system, which upregulates all the other infections, and then you're just blown out. Yeah, I'm currently fascinated. I'm looking kind of on the innate side of things, the the macrophage differentiation between M1 and M2, which mirrors the TH1 and TH2, and and how really kind of these these infectious storms that we get, we kind of get attacked from both ends, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You get Lyme disease that activates the inflammatory side of things, which opens the door for the parasites to kind of come in underneath, and uh, and some of these other infections on the other side, or the body goes on the other side and starts fighting the parasites and leaves you open to viral infection. So this immune flexibility, which we normally have, we get kind of creaky and old, not old, that's the wrong word, but inflexible in the immune system. And then whatever side we're stuck on or deficient in, we we get this chronic infection and it can be anything. And the patterns are all very, very similar. We've heard it a million times, whether it's fibromyalgia or mold or Lyme or Babesia or parasites or, or any of these type of things. You know, it's, it's the same mechanism. It's this inflexible immune system that you're talking about. So how, how do parasites, where do parasites fit into this and how do they fit into detoxification? Because you mentioned kind of that you got the parasites out that took about a year, but then you were still toxic. So what was going on there? So what was going on there? And it's really interesting because in, in the area I, I, I had a clinic, uh, my first year in, in, in practice, I was out in an area where there's a lot of arsenic in the well water. And I saw that with some of my MS patients. I'm like, oh, then I learned about that process. Not thinking all these years before when I was living out there on a well water that I probably had arsenic for those 18 months I was there, that then with the crash of the markets and the flaring up of all these symptoms, that arsenic probably played a role in that. And then also, I had my amalgams removed here a couple of years ago, but also the role of uh, parasites grinding my teeth and who knows how much of, of the seven amalgam feelings that I had, the mercury in my body played a role. And then the... Other issue is I was highly sensitive to, to radiation stuff. And so what happened and was... And so by that, got, are you talking about EMFs and cell phones? Is that what you mean by radiation? I think it was more probably the stuff from uh, like Fukushima. And I, I think that my iodine levels were really low in my body. Okay. To where I was just sensitive to a lot of that. I can be around, say, EMFs from cell phones and computers and not feel it where other my patients and some of the people I work with clients they feel it really heavily yeah my for me it was it was a different radiation you know more environmental radiation stuff in the in the area we live in we have a lot of uranium in the soil okay as well so that could be part of it is you, that suppresses and affects mitochondrial function yeah so i went 10 years without working out because when i'd work out i would crash so it would take me 7 to 10 days to recover so I just didn't work out. And then if I was to do, let's say, a set of air squats, I could go up and down. After one or two, I'm fatigued already. And so I knew something was going on in my muscular fatigue area. And as I took some of the bioactive products that I have, it completely changed my life. I mean, literally within three months, I could work out because of the fact that I addressed I, I addressed issues probably with radiation and heavy metals and toxins that were affecting my mitochondrial function or my energy where my muscles now can make energy and repair and actually can work out a full workout with, without being able to fatigue so quickly. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do a lot of stuff. I used to be a painter and drywaller and I could work for hours where within 30 seconds of having my arm up trying to cut in a wall, I was fatiguing, right? So uh, it, it just changed my life being able to get those things out with uh, dealing with the infections before. Now. Almost everybody with Lyme disease 
has some sort of fatigue or another, whether it's muscular like yourself, they kind of, you know, can kind of limp through the day okay, but once they try to exert themselves, or whether it's more chronic fatigue kind of stuff and, you know, they only have a couple spoons to burn during the day. And if they go do laundry, you know, that's it for the day. So you're talking about the toxicity in the mitochondria. What exactly is happening down at that level that's shutting the mitochondria down or the replication of the mitochondria, whatever's going on there? I love that question because I love the mitochondrial subject. <laughs> Good. <right>? So uh, <laughs> I, I used to teach biochemistry in my doctorate program and to tutor. And, and so it's just one of my passions is this pathway. So what we see is we get a buildup of lactic acid. And so people start moving and doing things. And there's a lack of oxygen to the cells or to the mitochondria. When there's the lack of oxygen, the... So there's, there's the end of glycolysis, which is called pyruvate or pyruvic acid that goes into the mitochondria yep. to be converted to this molecule called acetyl-CoA. And then that's what then fuels the Krebs cycle and gets everything else going in the mitochondria. Well, if there's a lack of oxygen, which there was a major lack of oxygen for me, and I'll explain that in a minute, it goes over to lactic acid, and then you become fatigued quickly. And we all know that in, the, in like the runner. If, you, if you're a long-distance runner, you have aerobic respiration, but if you're a sprinter, your muscles go a lot quicker. You build develop lactic acid fast. So what can happen with that is that there's a few things. One is when I used to check my oxygen perfusion, it was really low. I had lower blood pressure. Um, my oxygen perfusion measures from 0.2 to 20, and I was at 0.25. So it's like it was horrible. That made sense to why I fatigued so quickly. And part of that process may be okay. What's interrupting oxygen going through my body? Maybe Babesia is a part of that issue, but I cleared that out. Maybe it was a metal. So when we get into the mitochondria with pyruvate, there's this thing that called the pyruvate or PDH complex that converts it to acetyl-CoA. That is highly interrupted by lead and mercury and arsenic. And then the electron transport chain also is highly affected by mercury and arsenic. It shuts it down. So these heavy metals and these things called uh, herbicides and pesticides, chemicals, will shut it down. So the importance of understanding is most people say, hey, take all these vitamins to support mitochondrial function. It's not working. Why is it not working? It's not working because it's being inhibited from working in the first place. And when you clean these toxins out, then all of a sudden now you can start making energy. Then the other thing you have to look at is, are you getting it in there? So what creates energy are pyruvate from, from breaking down glucose, which is from carbohydrates. And protein gets converted to glucose and then goes through that process. Or fats get converted to fatty acids that then get shuttled into the mitochondria through the carnitine shuttle. So some of, my, some of the people I work with, I said, okay, how's your fat metabolism? Can you go two hours without eating? Can you go all day without eating? And most people can't. It's like, I have to eat to have energy. I, I had to eat. Otherwise, I didn't function. My brain didn't work. I was really exhausted and fatigued. So what I realized is that the liver, which controls all this, is important to focus in on. And then you have to support fat metabolism and you have to support metabolism, sugar metabolism through that process to be able to create, get the, get the molecules in there to create energy. So there's several parts to that. Obviously, getting that part and then the other part is clearing the toxins out so then you have the mitochondria working. And so I've created a product that's not available yet, but it should be available soon that repairs the mitochondrial function and then also the liver function. And it just helps these people get their energy function going up again and it changes lives because they make energy. And you can't heal if you can't get your energy up because if you kill, knock stuff down and you're not bringing up energy and immune system function, the other stuff just comes right back, back up. So you have to, in conjunction, bring that mitochondrial function energy up and the immune system up to be able to keep the infections at bay to keep on top and, and win. Now, you mentioned these heavy metals suppressing the body's ability to make the fuel for the mitochondria. Did you test for them, like blood test or hair analysis? How did you come up with, okay, this must be heavy metal toxicity? You know, for me, I didn't test, but for my patients, I test. Okay. I'm just curious because so, some people just say, you know, this has got to be it. Let's go with it. Let's do the detox. So I'm not against that. I was just curious. You know, I worked with a doctor that muscle tested that stuff and I went with that. Mm -hmm. But um, instead of guessing, I, I test that I, I test that process. 
and, uh, and then we see which ones can do it. And then using multiple two binders can help clear that out. Yeah. And the things that I look at is, is these binders not only affect metals, but they affect toxins and herbicides and pesticides and different things that could be suppressing it. So they work together, whether it's one or the other. I don't really care. I'm using products that clear them both. Now, let's talk a little bit specifically about you've got a parasite protocol. And what, what does that involve? It involves the first and foremost is you have to prepare the body to go after the infections. And what I mean by that is if you don't open up drainage pathways, you're not necessarily going to feel good. So as you know, some of these patients can take an herb to kill Babesia or kill Lyme and they get like massive headaches. Or they, kill, they take something to detox and they break out in a rash. Or some of them just, for, just, just crash. I mean, it's full on. They just crash and they just can't function very well. Herxheimer. So what, maybe. Herxheimer. Maybe. Right? right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. What it, I think is this. A lot of times we get phase one and two of the liver uh, detox working well or, or we start to detox, but phase three is not, is not pushing it out. So we're not, be able to, we're not able to get it out. So then it just goes and recirculates into the blood and can create headaches and you know, these other issues. So, so let's pause eight. there for a second. Do you consider phase three to be the binding or the whole kind of bile flow out of the liver and then binding? I consider it to be the, the bile flow out. Okay. Right. And then binding. Because some people because refer to phase two and a half and, you know, it's getting kind of crazy out there. <laughs> exactly. I hear there's only two phases, so then it would be the end of phase two. <laughs> Whatever you want to put it, it's the end of the liver function, yes. right? So we go through, you know, the phase one was like cytochrome P450, where we neutralize that, called neutralization. We neutralize the the, the uh, fat, you know, the lipid base, the toxin goes into the conjugation phase and then the transportation phase. Then from there, you want to bind properly and clear out through the bowel. So you got to be sure. Drainage is open. You're going to the bathroom. Your your bile flow is moving. Your lymphatics moving. Uh, the just that whole process because to get to the cell level, you have to get everything below. So I look at it as a funnel. The bottom of that funnel is the colon. It can clog everything up and make everything bad. And from there is the the, the liver and the kidneys. And then up above that is going to be the tissues and organs. And then above that's the cells. So be able to have really we have to be able to look at um, opening everything downstream from that point to clear it out and be successful now the once that's going on and i feel like people can handle things i start microdosing depending on what they can handle with products that are going to help address the infections that i think are foremost the biggest issues and the gut is what we have to address first because most toxins come from the gi system and that's where the mimosa pudica product that thing goes in and just cleans all this biofilm buildup or plaque or whatever we will want to call it, starts pulling stuff out and cleaning things up. And it helps them get breakthroughs that they've never had before. I hear that all the time because I see lots of people like, I have Lyme disease and I've been, pre- I've been to a practitioner to practitioner to practitioner. And so, okay, well, you may have Lyme, but there's other issues that are the bigger elephant in the room that we need to address, whether it's parasites or clearing the gut out. And as we are able to reduce the amount of endotoxins coming from the gut, then the symptoms going systemically goes way down. So then I, I address parasites because they produce a lot of byproduct or toxins, especially ammonia, which is what a lime can kick out as well. So does this extra, I'm going to call it exogenous, even though it's coming from inside the body, ammonia, I mean, that can cause muscle fatigue, it can cause brain fog, and doesn't take a lot of it. That stuff is toxic. It is, I mean, that's what hurts in our joints when the, the, the limes in the joints is we get, if we can get the binders and clearing out uh, using specific binders for that, then it helps as you reduce it. All of a sudden, a lot of neuropathy starts going away. Numbness and tingling. I've seen people with numbness and tingling with Lyme disease starts going away. A lot of kids are having seizures because of Lyme disease uh, had phenomenal results with uh, our biotoxin product that um, they're able to go back to school because now they're not having 25 or more seizures a day. Um, there's, it's really important to address that issue and to repair that gut. And how about psychological issues? Definitely. Do you see that affecting that as well? It does because so much of the neurotransmitters are made in the gut 
And then also a lot of the nutrients um, are absorbed and made in there. And so it helps as we get digestion working again, proper absorption and assimilation, then all of a sudden the, you know, a lot of those, you know, brain issues and, and, and I call mood issues start to balance out. And even sleep starts to get better. So I've had people with insomnia, uh, severe depression, anxiety, when you, you name it, all these things are very common when you're dealing with these chronic infections. And it's great to see them get their lives back, normalize the process. That's, you know, it's, it's so easy. <laughs> the, the phrase I like to throw around, and I think I heard it somewhere, I didn't make it up, was you have to think outside the tick. You know, we get a uh, diagnosis like Lyme. And you get so focused on, okay, we've got to kill these really tough-to-kill uh, invaders. And so often, and this is more kind of Horowitz's work, there's so many other things going on at the same time. And Lyme is just one of a whole invading army of issues. And like you said, with the parasites and the biofilms and the, the uh, heavy metal toxicity and so forth and so on. And to just focus on killing one specific pathogen just isn't going to get the job done. It's not. And I think a lot of times we have Lyme for years before we know it. I think I had it for a long time before I knew it. And, you know, one of the reactions I used to have was mosquito bites. I would get a mosquito bite and I got bit a lot as a kid, but I just have a typical mosquito bite. And then in my late twenties, I started getting into where they'd welt up to be huge. So, you know, I did a lot of camping. I might've got bit by something that, that had that in there. And it wasn't until 10 years later that it all of a sudden now it's expressing itself after I went through a severe, uh, stressful time in my life. So I think there, that stress of what I went through just allowed everything else to, to take over. So I think an old side or a severe event in your life can, can create or accelerate these bugs just to do their thing and take over. It's it's so true, and I've heard stories similar to yours where it's a an emotional or psychological stress, and other cases it can be an immune stress, so another illness or even vaccinations triggering kind of the the downward spiral. And again, you you talk to people like you. Well, when do you think you got bit? So you you know you kind of notice the difference in the the mosquito bite reaction, the histamine reaction to that. But you know some people go back and they say, well, you know it's it's hard to say i'm not i'm not really sure and who knows if we had really good testing we could start doing some population studies and find out how many people are harboring inactive let's just say inactive spirochetes or some of these other low lying or low intensity infections and really parasites can be in that too because you can live with parasites for a long time, right? And not be a problem. It's when your immune system loses its flexibility or loses its robustness that the bugs start winning the day. I agree 100% with that. And it's interesting because even now when I feel really good and I don't have all the symptoms I used to have, I was I formulated a new product and about a month ago I got it in. You know, for me, I just all high dose stuff. I'll just, you know, I, I'm doing good. <laughs> I don't react. I don't react. Yeah. Well, this stuff kicked my butt. I did a full dropper full instead of starting out a few drops and working up. And yeah. literally with one dropper, and I didn't know what was going on the first day, but I my arms broke out in a rash and my legs broke out in a rash and my joints were like really stiff and hurting a little bit. This is my middle knuckle uh, of my middle finger there. And, and then um, I didn't take it the next day, it was Saturday. And then Sunday night, I did another full-on squirt, and like, oh, hey, I got to take this. The next day, I woke up again. I said it cleared off that one day. Next On Monday morning, I woke up with a rash on my legs and arms again, and my hands were swollen like I had rheumatoid arthritis, and my feet hurt, and my joints hurt everywhere. Like, what is going on? And um, so I, I do live blood analysis in my clinic. So I looked at my finger, and I saw spirochetes in my blood. And no kidding. Like, oh, you know what? It's just going deep into the joints where yeah. I, I had these guys keeping them at bay, but I'm flushing those suckers out, man. And, and it took me about five days to recover. I've never had that kind of reaction before, ever. Right. So, like, well, this is a good thing. Now I know. <laughs> and 
uh, I, I got back on the product, started smaller, five drops, 10 drops, 15 on up to a couple dropperfuls. And I'm getting healthier because I knew, hey, there's something that was deep in there that wasn't affecting me. My body was keeping that bay, but I'm going after it. I wanted everything out. So everybody's dying to know, including me. So what's this product? So a micro formula, it's called uh, Formula 2. And it's it's going to be released probably in the month of June. And, and uh, it's, I've, I've been working with it for a year and a half because I work with stuff for a long time. It's like the Mimosa for years before I released that to the public. And, and then um, it, a lot of our products all have a lot of years of research behind them because of the way we put things together. The key part to understanding a lot of these herbs is how much of it can I get through the stomach acid and how, how do I yes. get to release at the right yep. pH in the right area do I want it? And all that technology goes into, into our products. And, and so knowing the oxygen saturation, knowing the pH, knowing several other markers that we look for in, in these things, that's why our products work and they're effective. I work with a brilliant scientist who, who uh, is an expert in folic and humic acids and biophotocarbons and, and activating and energizing products to where they, they are getting deep into the body and the cells. So um, I, what I can say is that they've completely changed my life. So I'm sharing them with other people to help change their life. Yeah, that's awesome. And have you experimented with liposomal delivery at all? I, I have experimented with uh, the liposomal or liposomal products, but yep. I just didn't see the changes, right? Because, you know, it, it, absorption is supposed to be better, but there's still hydrocarbons. And then once they get to the cell, they still you still have to do something with that. So then it takes energy to have to metabolize the liposomal carriers. So the products that we work with on the fulvic and humics the, those folics are nano-sized particles. They cross into the cell easily. And at the high energy that they're at, they, they're able to uh, not only help energize the cells and membranes, and, the, and the, the, so much goes in and out of the cell due to electrical charges, right? In fact, yeah, yeah. In fact the mitochondria is all about the electrical potential. If it, you know, you're, you're passing hydrogen ions into one side of the membrane, and you're negative on the other. So once you have enough hydrogen ions, then you're attaching that phosphorus energy molecule. It's all about that that electrical potential. The you know you call it acid versus alkaline, whatever it is. It's, it's just a measurement of volts. It's a measurement of energy, and and so all over the body you have that differentiation. In the in the cell membrane, you have the sodium potassium pumps. You have all all these uh, polarizations and on your your nerve cells. All that requires. Um, these high-energy molecules are electrolytes. So I just have to ask, without going all the way down the rabbit holes, uh, are you, you've got to be familiar with easy water, structured water, and Gerald Pollack's work. Mm-hmm. I am, I yeah. am somewhat. Mm-hmm. It's important. To, okay, so yeah. that, yeah, he, I mean, he really just kind of lays out, this is how the body creates these gradients naturally out of water, and uh, a substrate and, you know, powers that. So when, when the body's able to structure the water, these, these functions work well. And I, and I do think some of these uh, herbs that we do take help the body and some of the, actually some of the, uh, what do I want to say? The, the interventions that we're doing, uh, even like sunshine helps the body create this, this electrical gradient. So that's, that's fascinating. I have to learn more about what you're talking about, the delivery system, because up to this point, kind of my, uh, experience is, is simply with the herbs themselves or then the liposomal or liposomal. What, what is the proper way? It's still, <laughs> I say liposomal, but is it, I don't know. It's a lipid, right? Lipo, I don't know. It's, whatever it's lipid, it is, right? It's a lipid, right? But then, yeah, but then, when you change it to an O after the P, does it change it to lipo? I don't know. I, I, all right. Well, I'm an English major. I should know. You call it that. You're the English major. <laughs> uh, I hear both. <laughs> yeah, I do too. So I just anyway, whatever. The okay. Last last question okay. before we begin to wrap this up. Is there a good way to test for parasites? Yes. So. You know, to test on yourself, there's two ways. One way is to take two fingers and put it right below your thumb, right there where you feel this beat. It's called a pulse. And another way is to take two fingers and put it on your neck, on the carotid, and feel a pulse. And if you have, all right, all right. <laughs> I think I get your message here. 
So no, there's so no, in other words, we all there's no we all have parasites. Yes, but there's no good way of testing uh, through stool samples in those ways because you know you're not pulling liver flukes uh, out in your stool sample or lung flukes or pancreatic flukes or other systemic um, or microscopic parasites. You know your babesia is not going to come out in your stool. Uh, you know malaria right. is not going to. Bartonella is not going to. Toxo is not going to. There's even you know I, I've seen so many people test and then we treat them. And then they identify these five different kinds. And I've had medical doctors that very much doubted about parasites because it's not in their training. And going through the process, we're able to identify multiple parasites coming out in their stool through the process of treating them, which then allowed them to get over their other issues that they were having in detoxing. Because one of them was trying to detox heavy metals, was having to it. Once we cleared parasites, both heavy metals. Yeah, so the the parasites was interfering with her uh, liver detoxification, the liver flow you were talking about. Yeah, is that the thought that's behind a, that's that? That's the thought behind it. Is e it was either creating yeah. a reaction with some of the products. So uh, a lot of times the histamine reactions can occur through tapeworm and other parasites, and and there was some inter interaction with the molecules she was taking in her body, and then also phase three or whatever transportation of bile flow coming out the liver was being blocked by strongyloides or liver flukes or something else happening there and we just cleaned that up and and it made such a difference okay i, I lied so what's the link between tapeworms and histamine they just irritate and, and activate mast cells you know it's interesting because i've had i had a gal that came to see me she she was 65 her mom was 93 she's you got to come down and see Dr. Watson. This gal's from Montana, northern Montana by Canada. And she's like, why do I want to come see a chiropractor? What's he going to do for my eyes? <laughs> right? I have highs. I've had, yeah. she had highs for a year. It's breaking out all over her body uh -huh. every single day. She was miserable, and she'd seen all kinds of medical doctors and doc, you know, nature paths up in that area. And so when I, when I saw her, I said, you look, you know, I t this is what I'm coming up with. I, I do some muscle testing stuff, and I think you have tapeworm. Let's, let's, uh, let's get you on. A couple things, and uh, one of them was mimosa pudica, and another one was a medication called prosequinol. And within ten days, she passed a six foot tapeworm. After that was gone, her hives were completely gone. And she's been three and a half years, and she hasn't had hives since. And so, what I've noticed that when people have hives, that as I treat parasites, it it completely eliminates their hives. So, there's a correlation with something a reaction with the foods that intake that create that the, maybe the feed the parasites or and they spew out specific toxin that creates the histamine in the hives i, I don't know but they also the other thing is is, is that down regulates all the food sensitivities so when you clear them out now they can tolerate all these foods where you know, one of my one of my patients first patients like she could, she ate four foods for two years because she couldn't tolerate anything and um Within six months, she was able to eat so much more. Within a year, she could almost eat anything. So uh, all we did was parasite cleansing and, and, and liver detox. That's amazing. It's just these, what we don't know about what's living inside our body at the same time as we are is, is really killing our health. We've we've taken care of you know most of the big killers and and the ones we we don't know you know like the Ebola and crazy stuff like that you know at least we know can identify it and kind of quarantine people and stuff like that we know what's going on but it's these low level stuff that we just don't even think about like you said the doctor has no training in this it's like why not why not it's such a big part and it I think it was a bigger part of medicine you go back 100 150 years but it's like we've moved on you know we're, we're clean now or something like that and it's just not true it's just not true it's not and I think the hardest thing is the testing instead of just understanding we we're living beings they love living beings we get access to them from food water you know our animals the soil there's so many ways that we get parasites but because we live in America, we're immune to it. You know, there's borders. So, you know, you come from Mexico <laughs> to San Diego, and they, exactly. they're gone automatically. Yeah. And you fly over from Asia no. into America or from Africa into America, all of a sudden you don't have parasites. Like they magically disappear, just like Lyme. 
We've got a county here where there there are a bunch of cases, and the neighboring county has zero. You know, it's like this nice clean border. It's like, yep, doesn't happen. If you're in Herkimer County, you're immune from Lyme disease. It's <laughs> exactly. awesome. Yeah, it's insane. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Now, I'm sure tons of people are going to have tons of questions and want to know more about your programs and what's going on. So what's the best way to get more information about parasites and your protocols to treat them? There's a couple of ways. So one of them is uh, one of them is going to be uh, microbeformulas.com where Dr. J Davidson and myself do a weekly Q&A and we teach about drainage, we teach about protocols people can do on their own and how to take them through it. And uh, so we teach and then we also answer questions that people send in. And they can find us on our Facebook page at parasitegroup.com. And then I have drtoddwatts.com. So drtoddwatts, T-O-D-D-W-A-T-T-S.com. But the, the thing with the protocols and the interaction with the doctors, Dr. J is amazing with Lyme because of his wife's battle of almost dying twice because of it. Uh, between the two of us, we put our heads together. And then we have another doctor that has um, treated many Lyme cases and created products for Lyme and Bartonella and Babesia that is integrating with our company. And um, he, he will be, he's a part of what we do. Uh, we just have a lot of amazing people that are a part of our company. And um, so these, these Q&As, people can learn so much. And then if you need individual help, they can go to drtoddwatts.com or even contact Microformulas and they can put them in contact with us. But uh, th- there's a lot of resources there to, to help them out. Awesome. Dr. Watts, you've been incredibly generous with your time and knowledge. I appreciate you sharing. And just in case there's anything I didn't ask, here's your chance to make one last point. I just want to say this. You know, in my, in, in my process of getting better is don't give up, right? The, you know, that life, that day, my life changed of, I had to become that warrior. I had to figure something out. I mean, I had tears in my eyes, like, holy crap. I can't believe I missed out on opportunities in my life because of the stinking fatigue and symptoms I was having. I, I needed to take at massive, massive action to do whatever it took to do that and find the right people. I spent a lot of money trying to figure all this out, but it was worth it was, you know, well worth it because it's my rest of my life. And this is my 40, basically my 40s passed by of having all these issues. And then now I, I figured my 50s are going to be the best part of my life. And there's hope. And that's what I want to give people is that there's hope. And just keep pushing until you find your answer because you'll find your answer. And, and then you'll be able to understand that the gift is in the struggle and that life is happening for you, not just to you, that you will learn something that God's given you here to be able to then move forward and teach and help others. Dr. Todd Watts, thank you very much. Thank you. This was a very interesting episode. A little dismaying, but... (laughs) Why dismaying? You know how... At some okay, you're worried you have parasites. Yes, I'm worried I have parasites. Yeah, I think we all have parasites. Yeah, at some level. and now and now I'm thinking, yeah, it's like too many things are lining up. It's like okay, maybe I'm not being a hypochondriac, being scared that I have parasites. Maybe it's not just me being traumatized by historical fiction when I was seven years old. It's like okay, so wait I have parasites. How do you get traumatized by historical fiction? Do you ever read? like fictional accounts and they're so excited about talking about tapeworms and stuff like that. And we read different books growing up. Yeah. I read Narnia books. Yeah. No, uh, no worms in Narnia. Yeah. No, no. Or they all talked anyway. I've been having my head stuck in the sand over parasites because I just didn't want to deal with that because I thought I was being a hypochondriac. But if I'm not a hypochondriac. If this is something that I don't know for sure, but I could test out, like what's something that I can just get started on that's gonna like, that'll like just get the ball rolling. One quote unquote supplement, and it's kind of funny because it's more like drinking tiny sand. 
is diatomaceous earth. Now, diatomaceous earth will kill off intestinal worms. It's not going to kill off liver flukes or brain flukes or anything like that, but it will kill off intestinal worms simply by mechanical action. So it's it, it's pretty safe. It's pretty. It doesn't react with anything. Shouldn't give any toxic toxicity in itself. Now, dying worms will maybe give off some toxins, so you could have a Herxheimer-type reaction with that. But what happens is the diatomaceous earth are tiny little sharp crystals that will scrape the outside of the worms. Now, it doesn't damage your intestines because you have the mucosal lining, so it doesn't bother that as much. It just kind of bounces down. But if there are worms attached, it will scrape them. And if you do this long enough, they'll eventually die and expel. Now, here's the thing that I've learned recently about worms is that sometimes when they lay eggs, and that's how they reproduce, the eggs are kept in a dormant state by chemicals released by the alive worms. And what happens is once the the main worm dies, then the signal stops and it gives a trigger for these eggs to reproduce. So if you happen to expel some worms... You don't want to stop taking whatever made them work. You need to keep going for another month or two to make sure that you get the next generation of worms. Does that make sense? Well, it's like treating for Lyme disease because of the life cycle of the Borrelia. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't, if you know, it's, if you do see worms expelled, it's very gross. It's very exciting. But it's not the end of the story. Don't stop. Keep going. So if you've done a successful parasitic cleanse and you've had parasites come out of you that are visible and you got all excited and you say, phew, phew, I'm out of the woods, not necessarily. So you may want to go back and complete that treatment. So I think a three-month treatment with that. So you want to see a couple months of no worms coming out to make sure that you're finally got these suckers cleared out of your system. All right. And diatomaceous earth is this kind of non chemical killer so it's a and so people use diatomaceous earth spread out in their gardens to kill slugs and things like that so it's it's that level of uh, parasitic yes. cleanse and i don't know what the killer what's yeah. the right word for it anyway yeah and it's something it's yeah treatment. and it's something to do that even if there aren't any worms in there it won't hurt you no and you get a little bit of silica from it so your hairs and nails and skin might be a little bit nicer too. So <laughs> no harm, no foul with taking it. There's no downside to it. Yeah. Except, of course, if something's dying, being killed by the diatomaceous earth, you may get a Herxheimer. So and let's back up there too. You know, there's always going to be, there's always one person out there who's going to be allergic to silica or something like that. So there's always a chance. Whenever you try something with Lyme disease, start slow, build your way up and see how you react to it. All right. All right. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people like you. And if you really, really like what you're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, share this podcast with a friend. You might save their life. Do you have feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything? Send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And if you're one of our new listeners, a friend we made out up in Augusta, Maine at the Midcoast Lime Conference, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. It was a load of fun. We met so many new people, so many great vendors there. We renewed some friendships with some of the speakers and met some new speakers. It's a great event, really. Put it on your calendar for next year. It will be on Saturday instead of a Friday, so it's going to be easier to get to. And I think it's sometime beginning of May, end of May, April. End of April. <laughs> ah, yes, that month. <laughs> yes. The two M months. Yes. Or the third M month. Eh, whatever. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say, May or April, right around there. There's a, There will be a save the date coming out pretty soon. All right. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of today. Did you know when ninjas go through airport security, they make TSA take off their shoes? Lime 
Mind Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.